if I, if I, if I can reach my people in Puerto Rico, it's like, guys, you need to get smarter about what you're asking for. All right. And you need to understand the wisdom of the patriarch of Puerto Rico, which is el status no está en issue, right? Forget about status. Status is the problem. Infrastructure is the problem. Economy is the problem. Welcome to episode 21 of the David Binkowski podcast. Today's episode features a conversation exclusively around Puerto Rico, its relationship with the U.S. Uh, There are two bills that are going to the House floor for a vote that could impact Puerto Rico, although we'll see if they actually make it there. Uh, And the timing of this discussion comes on the heels of the address Joe Biden just gave to Congress, in which he's laying out all the U.S. big bets and their priorities that will lift the U.S.'s poor and middle class with a heavy, heavy emphasis on infrastructure. Now, there was no mention of Puerto Rico during this address. Uh, As someone who moved to Puerto Rico almost three years ago at this point and who spent 45 years in the U.S., uh, I can tell you I have a pretty good perspective on how the islands viewed it and the reality for the push Uh, That is statehood. Many pro-statehood people on Twitter like to argue that I don't know what I'm talking about, when in reality last night and the lack of support for the House bill to make Puerto Rico a state that is making its way through D.C. barely proves everything that I and others have been saying. There's nothing personal. There's nothing malicious. It is called fact-facing and reality. So given this, Unless there are major changes to how Puerto Rico governs itself and continues to prop up Fortune 500s and the wealthy as a tax haven, there will not be any real consideration given to Puerto Rico's statehood, no matter how much people want to scream about it on social media. Again, Biden's address didn't mention Puerto Rico or statehood once. He is making big, big bets to try to save the U.S. from autocracy. And thanks to gerrymandering, redistricting, voter suppression, and all the other bullshit the GOP is pulling, it may not be enough. I'm fairly optimistic. Um, You know, we'll see what happens, but I'm I'm fairly optimistic. But it's still going to take the U.S. decades to undo the poison, the rhetoric, and the hate that the Trump campaign sowed in the U.S. in just the four short years that he was in office. So given this, I think it's worth looking at alternatives. Um, there's the other, the other bill that's going that's being passed around D.C. is for self-determination. And self-determination means that Puerto Rico gets to look at itself and truly look at all the options uh, and then figure out what's, what makes the most sense. Now, geopolitically, I don't think the U.S. is going to say go ahead and leave. Financially... Probably a similar argument, but I think it's worth looking at how we got here. So the 10,000-foot overview on Puerto Rico's history with the U.S. is that the Spanish colonized the Taino people who were native to this island many, many years ago. And eventually, Spain left and the U.S. stepped in. Uh, The U.S. decided to give Puerto Rico citizenship, which sounds amazing. You are U.S. citizens. It's worth noting the reason why they did that. 
They wanted to fill draft roles for the World War. There already was an independence movement here in Puerto Rico. And it's worth noting in this same era, Don Pedro Albizu Campo served in the U.S. military in 1917. And he also suffered harsh racism from the U.S. He became the head of the Puerto Rican independence movement and ended up going to jail later on. But, you know, I was thinking about this after it happened back in January. The only other time the Capitol has been shot up in U.S. history was in the 50s by four Puerto Rican independence movement party members. So, you know, there's a very sordid and deep history that feel free to look into more stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's all online. There are videos uh, there are you know books, there are websites, etc. But the reality is that Puerto Ricans have suffered mistreatment for years. Whether it's forced sterilizations, that was a thing. Bombings, that was a thing. In fact, still bombs uh, over on Vieques. Murder and torture up at Ramey Air Force Base, that's a thing. That happened. Or you know just something like the crushing illegal debt that the island has no right to renegotiate and is currently suffering, suffocating us through a financial oversight board who's running austerity measures and cutting stuff. Oddly enough, we have actually representation in Congress, Jennifer Gonzalez, and she's a Republican. Of all the, of all the trends you see happening in the U.S., we're sending a Republican to ask for statehood after setting up a tax haven. And also Jennifer said as part of their presentation of their bill for statehood that they don't want the debt canceled. This illegal debt, they don't want canceled. I mean, big fucking yikes, right? But you add it all up, chasing statehood is like chasing a unicorn. It ain't going to happen. And focusing on it is a waste of time, energy, effort, and money that should be going to help everyday Puerto Ricans. Again, you can fall in love with the U.S. and the U.S. way of life and the consumerism and the brands and all those things. As someone who lives here, I'm telling you, man, we have it different here. Our culture, the culture in Puerto Rico is very different than the U.S. And while we do have people here who do speak English, although some of the people they're sending to testify in Congress will not be inexplicably, um, you know, the, the reality is it's just it's different. It's different living here. So in this episode, what we're going to talk about um, is kind of where things could go and where's the opportunity and what needs to happen. And, uh, you know, it's with my friend Arturo. Uh, he's been on before. Uh, Arturo is the Sports Grid CTO. He is Puerto Rican. Um, and, you know, he has a very rich history of working uh, not just on the island but around the world in trying to bring solutions um, and he has some good ideas for this island as well. His father was involved too. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of great history here. So we're going to get into that conversation. But if you're not following me on Twitter before we start, give me a follow. I'm D. Binkowski. And Arturo is American Numbers on Twitter. His account is private. So as long as you're cool, you should be okay. Um, if you don't want to hear his opinions and just want to read his data, you can go to Data Strictly on Twitter. Uh, and that's like just... NBA stuff or, or whatever's going on with charts and his algorithms and the models he's set up that he runs. So 
it's all interesting and worth looking at, um, but it's, you're going to see you know, not a lot of opinion, just numbers. Finally, if you like this podcast, don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave a five-star review. And, uh, yeah, let's get to that conversation with Arturo. So want to talk a little bit about the island, baby? Yeah, let's talk about the island. Um, so, I think, so how are you, fi- David, how long have you been living in Puerto Rico? I've been here for two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah, a, little, a little longer than that, but yeah, roughly so two I think years. one thing you have to understand that's important to understand, right, is I think culturally, right, we as Puerto Ricans do not believe we can do things ourselves, right? And I think that's part of the colonial mindset that exists on the island, and it's something that's like has to be dealt with at every level, right? So we don't think like... It's weird. We don't think that we're as good, even though kind of if you look at like different fields, we kind of are. It's just like it kind of permeates the situation where like, you know, we, we don't think that. And then like locally, the other problem is like the system isn't set up on the island to let us improve things appropriately. We don't really have the control that we need to improve things and we don't so people who are actually good at things get frustrated and leave right so we have a lot of professionals like the the talent thing a lot of our talent leaves and you kind of emphasize one thing i've heard you talking about is that we also don't compensate people appropriately on the island so the actual best talent leaves right um there are some and and i think i mentioned i mentioned it earlier i don't know if i mentioned it on the podcast but i was saying like one of the events like when you get to be at the level i'm at there are some edges because even though I make less money on paper than I would in the States, the tax code on the on Puerto Rico is very favorable to somebody in my position. So I actually end up making a lot more money than I like my take home pay is more, right? Because the tax code is such that like I get breaks on the federal level and I get breaks on the state level and there's some capital gain stuff that happens and it's very favorable. This is why Logan Paul was thinking about moving to the right? So there's, 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 a, so it's a very weird kind of, situation but then like that means but a lot of the professionals are little highly competent people just like don't stay on the island because it's not worthwhile and they don't feel that they can actually change anything because you know we have this mentality and well there's also there's also it's not just the mentality there's also when you have a lifelong when your experience tells you nothing's going to change um yeah then you just kind of give up and say all right then i'll i'll take my uh, talents elsewhere because it's frustrating I think one of the things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight, which I think is kind of important, like, and, and they used to say, like, oh, you can't be independent of something like the U.S. It's got to be worse if we're independent. I'm like, look, guys, I think the example to kind of look at now, and it didn't exist like 30 years ago, but it does now. Um, like, so uh, the U.S. got to Puerto Rico like 1903. I believe uh, Ireland became independent, I believe it's 1912, um, actually 1920. Um, and Ireland, and I've talked to people from Ireland, um, they followed the Fomento model. With the Fomento model, they, I've literally talked to people from an economic development in Ireland who, who like swear by Teodoro Moscoso and Luis Munoz Marin what they did on the island Operation Bootstrap, right? They said, hey, we love that shit. This is what we did. And if you look, and I mentioned Ireland because Ireland's been independent for 100 years and this like parallel path, they're, they're now a top three quality of life country in the world, right? Their economy is top rate. Their earnings is top rate. They have all sorts of services. And if you look at the quality of life and the next of happiness, they're top three in the world, right? They're the best of any of the current UK, uh, current United Kingdoms or former United Kingdoms. And the point being is the model they followed is a Puerto Rican development model, right? Which is kind of crazy. Like, not only are they 
they they went there. When I, obviously there was some pain to get to where they are, but they, it's it's always been interesting to me, or it was kind of like shocking to me that they really followed the model that we set out for development that we kind of abandoned in the '80s when the Panabets came in. And that's the other thing I was actually going to say to you. Like the other bigger pro- biggest problem that we have is the system in Puerto Rico is set up was set up by the, uh, the the one party who set up the Commonwealth, right? The ELA. And the problem lies in that the government in power does not want the ELA to succeed. They want it to fail because they want to be a state. Right? So part of the problem that we have is it's a little bit like the Republicans. The Republicans don't want the state to, to succeed. So everything's kind of fucked because they want to reduce state capacity. But then yep. you end up like Texas. We're like, fuck, well, we're in the bullseye for all these climate change disasters. And we're not going to raise taxes. But we've been insulting the people in the federal government for like five years. And like literally now it's like there's no way 10 years ago when something like this happened to Texas, like people would be out there saying like we shouldn't give them any fucking money. Right. Fuck them. Why are we? I'm not going to give those assholes money. Right. They don't want it. They don't need it. They say they don't need to stay capacity. Fuck them. We're not going to give them any aid. Like, there's no way that was something that was going to be something that you could say without getting slammed. And I don't think I agree. I don't agree with it. Well, that, Puerto Rico has like, been the punching bag. Well, but Puerto Rico has been the punching bag of this one but, forever. Puerto Rico. Yeah, but, we're, <laughs> but, but David, we're brown, right? So, like, we're, we're, we're like right, brown. Right. We're brown Indians. So, like. I, I'll tell you, this is the one thing that I, I, I've tried to explain this to people. And they just are like. You're just saying that it's not true, and I'm like, dude, I'm not saying that all Americanos are racist. Okay, if you're from the U.S., I'm not saying you are racist, but I guarantee you probably know a lot of fucking racist people. And bring up to them anything about Puerto Rico, uh, bring up anything to them about Mexicans, about any kind of Latino, anybody who's not from Europe, and and and, and again, even Spain. It's like it's it just. Bring it up and see what we'll see what they say. I guarantee there's some racist shit that follows whatever it is that their comments or opinion is. They and, and people that I talk with here, and again, obviously not my friends, whatever, but the people I talk with here who want to be a state in particular, just ignore that that exists. They freaking ignore it. And I'm like, I don't think you understand how they look at this island. You just don't fucking get it. I live there. And when I talk to Puerto Ricans who've moved to the to, to the U.S., they experienced it. it, is, it is there, I don't know very many, if any, who have not experienced some racism. I think, so, the one, I think one of the more interesting things that happened, and it's happened to me, right? Um, I mentioned, I mean, I travel to Europe, I travel to Spain all the time. And one of the things that I notice is that, like, I travel to the States sometimes, a lot, too. And I've studied in the state, lived in the states, lived in multiple states for long periods, and we're much we're culturally significantly closer to Spain than we are to the United States. Even yes. as after 100 years as a colony, if you go to Spain, you will recognize the architecture, you will recognize the people, you will recognize the style of life, you will recognize pretty much everything that's going on, right? And it like the towns, like the town centers, look like. Like the town centers on the island, like the same kind yeah. of characters, same kind of people. Obviously, there are some differences, but we're much more culturally similar to them than we are to any place in the states, right? Yep. And yep. you know, I think that, like, and and, I, and again, I do think like we are getting a little bit more of that culture here, but it's not quite where it should. But I mean, I think it's it's really kind of a thing where I think that we are in a place where like, and I know stated one last referendum on the Island, but 
independence yeah did a lot stronger than it typically would right and it's 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 kind of if you actually look at the growth the growth for independent independence movement on the island is like really kind of impressive relative to what it's been before and i think it's going to kind of move that way more because the u.s doesn't necessarily kind of like covering itself in glory i think the u.s right now is a mess we talked about a little thing with, with texas and and I, you have a very broken system because Reagan decided that trickle down, right? We're yep. not going to spend any money on state capacity. Fuck and fuck giving you services. We're going to give this all to rich people. And as a short term thing that works, because what happens is when people don't, if you think about it from the point of view of business, when you don't have access to capital or financing in the short term, giving you more money, giving rich people more money leads to more projects. But that's only in the short term. Once you reduce the cost of lending and the interest rate past a certain point, then trickle down is bullshit because it doesn't matter how many tax breaks I give you. You are not spending more money because you have, you basically have enough money to do all the projects and all the capital buildings that you don't have the attention span to do it. So what happens is you take that money that I'm giving you and you use that to buy political influence or you hoard that money. So instead of actually moving in the economy and actually like creating growth, like we used to before fucking Reagan and creating middle-class jobs through growth and through infrastructure projects, that we used to do before Reagan. No, instead of that, we have a bunch of people getting richer. We have the rate of earnings getting smaller because money's just not being spent in the middle, which is why I argue this like all the time. It's like, I want to go back to a pre-Reagan tax code because what I really want is I want to tax. I want to take all that money that's sitting in the goddamn banks of the rich people and use it to build roads and build dams and build like green infrastructure. Like why? Because infrastructure projects lead to construction work, right? Yep. Construction work, contractors, like, and that leads to middle class jobs. And the guys who are like doing the middle class jobs, like, if I'm doing a middle class job and I have a family, <clears throat> I'm going to have a house, I'm going to have a car, I'm going to spend the money in the community. I'm going to spend that money and give it to somebody else, and he's going to give it to somebody else versus sitting in the bank of like J. Fuck Amazon, right? Yeah. Like, or like, like, sitting in the bank of like a, tr- like, people kind of like just don't understand. And, and it's this confusion. And, and, and again, I mentioned Texas. And the problem is you have these red states that, like, oh, it's wonderful. I'm going to move from California to Texas. Okay. So if you actually look at this, well, Texas actually hasn't spent any money on, like, they have a bunch of infrastructure projects that they need to do. Like, the, are you familiar with the Ike Dyke? Sorry, repeat that. The, are you familiar with the Ike Dyke project? No. So the Ike Dyke project is, you know, the Gulf Coast basically is like if the Gulf Coast basically that you see on the map is a fiction, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Louisiana and Georgia and Texas coast that you see on the maps in the Gulf of Mexico, that doesn't really exist. That's all been eroded away. There's a bunch of that stuff. If you look at it on a satellite, it's not there because right. the ocean's rising and it's like rising. Most of that, a lot of that is underwater. And this is why every time there's a freaking event, Houston gets flooded, Right. You've seen the, like, there's every time there's one of these floods, they'll do the whole thing where, like, post the sharks in the Houston Highway. You yes. must have seen that. There's always this photo oh, yeah. that goes viral of the, the shark on the highway. And, like, <laughs> and, so, and everybody's like, 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 the first person who posts the shark on the highway. Well, but, and I laugh. But I mean, it's not really good, but what happens is, like, Texas doesn't have any infrastructure, and they, they know they need to build this dike, and they know they need to build these, like, projects to channel the water, and they know they need to build these projects. But the Republicans aren't going to fucking do that because they'd have to raise taxes in the state, right? Yep. 
And they're not going to raise taxes in the state because that's not what Republicans do in Texas. But yeah. functionally, it means that really the way Texas works is Texas doesn't tax you, but they steal the money from the federal government to the, what they call a federal transfer. So they complain about Minneapolis and they complain about California and they complain about New York. But the fuckers are actually taking the money from the blue states and the cities, and that's the money that's coming in through the Senate and going to Texas, which is why when this last storm happened, there were people who were saying, like, fuck them, don't give them any money. Because if they don't want to, like, oh, it's wonderful. Like, dude, if you don't want to tax your people, right, yeah. how wonderful, I'm going to take all this business from other places. Yes, but you're not actually investing in, like, capital. And, like, so if I'm moving my business from California or New York to Texas, I'm assuming the insurance risk. Yep. Now, if I'm in Florida or I'm in Texas and the fucker is underwater or it's like a high, like, and I'm having 100-year floods every five years, so I'm eating the actuary cost. So, yes, it's cheaper on paper from the taxes, but wait until you get the insurance bill, yep. right? So, again, that this is why, like, I'm saying, like, if you kind of start looking at some of this stuff, it's, it's, it's pretty broken right now. And, like, if you apply it to the island, really, I mean, we had Maria, right, and... Where's our aid? Yep. Like, there's no way any state in the union would have had something like Maria happen and you wouldn't have gotten anything. Now, we've rebuilt a lot of the infrastructure. We fixed a lot of problems, but we really haven't gotten the, like, there's no way we'd still have the stupid promessa board. Right. Like, now, again, I knew we were, I mean, I knew we were fucked when Biden got the nomination. And pardon my French, but I knew we were fucked because you know what they call Biden, right? You know what his nickname in, in the Senate was, right? No. The, the senator from MBTNA? <laughs> you didn't know that? No. No, he, he, the honorable senator from MBTNA. Like, Biden is wholly owned by creditors. Like, he is wholly and completely. He's the guy. He basically, I think he, uh, the crime bill and the bank, they always mention the crime bill, but they never mention the, the, they never mentioned the bankruptcy reform. That was him, too. So mm. he is not someone who is going to ever forgive our debt. That's just not something that was going to happen. Um, right. Hillary, Hillary would have. I, I have a lot of problems with the Clintons, but I, but, but Hillary and Bill are both allies to Puerto Rico, right? Mm -hmm. Bill might be a repugnant human, but he is an ally to the island, uh, and he, I, and I say this because I've, I've literally seen Bill, personally seen Bill Clinton twice with my own eyes, without any press, like doing like work stuff here for charities after Maria. Him and him and I've literally seen I'm like, oh, is that Bill Clinton? Just ran was that Bill Clinton? Yes, that's what the hell? It's like just walking around, right? Obviously, like when I think one was in Caribe Hilton and the other was like at the convention center. But it there was no press. The news wasn't there. They were just like doing some like stuff with the with the Clinton Foundation for like for like charity on the island. Right? So they do have ties on the island. They are actually allies on the island. They're not wholly owned by the creditors. So we kind of got we really on the island got screwed in the 2016. We we got we got royally screwed in the 2016 election. And we got royally screwed in the 2020 election. Right? But yeah. But I mean, like, and then we got. We got the ex-head of the Promessa board, uh, the ex -head. No, he wasn't the head. He was the advisor, right? The advisor, right? It's like pure reason. Um, so really not the ideal situation for the island. Um, I, you, saw I that idiot, you saw the op-ed in the, in the uh, journal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think Fucking the joke. So, what a so, joke. The key for Puerto Rico is that I do believe there's going to be a movement afoot to re-nationalize the supply chains. And if that is the case... Then Puerto Rico is well placed for that because we have one of the largest concentrations of like ready to go 
kind of uh, industrial spaces. The island is full of the fermenta spaces, like the, the factories are just ready to go. Yep. Obviously, I mean, I think, so we need some things to happen, but but you can kind of tell, like, like I, I'm just like, I'm just so jaded when I like, like watch the stuff from the US, but you can kind of tell like that, you know, the, 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 I call it the CIA media thing, where like you can kind of tell they're like doing all these stories about China, and like they're like and they're they're trying to like kind of gin up the whole thing and like we gotta talk to China and like China and like and I mean it's a really kind of a weird thing because like the problem with like picking a fight with China the way they do it is like they wanna like the US really kind of like wants to fight it like it was the Cold War and like we're gonna do the military thing, we're gonna kinda like oh and then do you see the guy who's talking about like how they can go they can get to like have China can have as many bombs as we can in ten years, something like that? Yeah. And it, they're not. They're, no, they they can't. Right? They, they they could, but like China doesn't. Like the thing is, China doesn't operate that way. China basically goes, okay, we just want enough nukes so that you can't bomb us or threaten us with the bombs because we can fuck you up. And we just want enough troops to basically make it so that you won't invade. Like so, China will basically limit their expenditure on the military to just assure it's defensive. They're like, fuck it, we're not going to spend the money on that. What China does spend money on. And this is something that you see when, again, I've been to South America. You see, they, they spend it on doing all these co-development product projects with developing countries, right? So they go in and say, okay, so we're going to go into Africa. We're going to go into South America. We're going to go into Venezuela. We're going to go into Bolivia. And we're going to do this project because this project will help you and create, it's going to increase my state capacity as China because I'm going to have a, an economic development project in your country, which is good because it's going to make money. And... Two, it's going to make you friendlier to me, right? And I'm going to increase my diplomatic capacity, right? And I'm going to create economic ties so that, like, when the U.S. starts rallying sabers, you know, China can go, hey, you know, they're going to, they're going to fuck up your economy, man. Like, yep. like, like which is the whole well, job. And one of the, thing, one of the things that, they, that they've done, and the reason they've done this, and, and this is what's played out in Africa, is they make promises to a dictator or whichever person's running the country, they come in, and, and, and part of the plan is we are going to build a power plant, a water facility, whatever it is, and we're going to not only provide this for your people, but we're also going to hire them. And then yeah. what they do is they turn around once the construction, the project is approved, and they do it with their own workers. They literally import their own workers in to do the work and not, yeah, but, not but, pay the locals. But ultimately, ultimately, for some of this stuff, a lot of this stuff, they create the project and they do actually leave the infrastructure and they do actually like do the economic ties and run it. And because having the business, because in essence, even though they leave it to the locals, they still own a share. Basically, they're creating they're creating economic influx in another country that isn't actually like part of their own country because they're, you know, so they, it becomes from an economic uh, standpoint, it makes sense because they're less dependent on their own economy, and they're also increasing their it's increasing their state capacity because they have more influence. It's the whole thing. Like the last time we did the whole saber rattling thing during, like what happened during Trump, the 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 Hong Kong thing. So the Hong Kong thing, there's a whole thing about how some of that Hong Kong uh, protest protest was kind of being manipulated. Like if you depending on which news, if you're reading European news versus you're reading state news, it was very different, right? Which happens a lot. Like I, I always advise people, hey. If you like, I always tell people in the states, like you should always like find an alternative news source that isn't U.S. media, right? Yep. Be it France yep. Twenty Four, be it TVE, be it Telesur is a little weird because it's Venezuela, so it can be a little biased. Or like same thing with Al Jazeera, but it's only like like uh, France Twenty Four or like uh, BBC World Service or TVE will have a much more unbiased take on the U.S. Um, yep. BBC can be like BBC will have its own issues. 
right? But like, but you can kind of use it to create a kind of an, a bias detector, right? So you'll see the British bias in something, and you'll see the English, the US bias in something. So the whole Hong Kong thing, if you were reading it on the Spanish press, and the Spanish international press was reading completely different. Same thing with the Bolivia stuff. Like Bolivia was, Bolivia is the classic case, the whole thing about the coup in Bolivia. You know that, like, the, like you, if you were reading it anywhere but the New York Times, like they were doing a freaking goddamn coup. Whereas the, 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 the New York Times was like, no, it's not a coup. Until like three months later, I said, no, well, yeah, it actually was a coup. Um, yep. <laughs> which is, it, it, just, it just kills me. But like the whole thing being that like when the Hong Kong thing happened, which is the last time we did the Saber Rattle thing, what happened there? Like, the, like Daryl Morey did that statement and what did China do? China put pressure on the NBA, economic pressure on the they, Like China basically like fucked up the NBA. Like they really fucked them up. Yeah. Like they they cut off their uh, their revenue. They put pressure on places people like like Disney and like the, they put pressure on all the broadcast partners for the NBA. And the NBA had to shut that shit down like fast as fuck, right? Yep. And the point being that like we get into these fights. I mean, for us, it's convenient for Puerto Rico because like what's gonna and it's never made sense for us to export our fine our 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 industrial capacity to China. Because what would happen, because again, I used to do this. I used to have to do this for GE. I used to have to do this for GE. They were sort of saying, like, dude, you're exporting them and they're going to steal, exact, like, you're going to put a factory there and they're going to build a copy factory next door and build the product cheaper. Yep. That's what they did. And you're also going to create a huge problem with your supply chain. No! Okay, fine. And a capacity, which is what happened here. So what you want to do is you want to bring all that shit back and I mean, damage is done. They've already got their industry set up, but like, you really, that's going to favor us. But like, again, the problem is like, we get into these fights with China, and really, this is not fighting the Soviet. This is not, you're bringing guns to a money fight. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, a, it's a, because you're, you're not going to shoot nukes at China. China knows you're not going to shoot nukes at them. They know you are not going to land troops in China. They've got a billion people. You're not landing, you're not landing troops in China. That's not happening. Right. So they because and also I know because they also know that if you do that, like if you're the president of the United States and you decide to go into land conflict in Asia, particularly against China, you know, you are fucking up your economy. Right. Yep. Your economy. How many how many how many many Fortune 500s and others are are reliant on manufacturing in China on it's it's a it's not you can't get into bed with someone and then complain when they fart. It's just how it works. Like, and, the, and this is the part that I don't, I, I, I hear people saying that the U.S. wants to do all these different projects and things. There's no will for it. There's no political will for it. There's no finance. I mean, as long as these companies keep making money, they're not going to stop selling to a billion fucking people and I mean, making it, their stuff there. I think, the, I think the trick is we have to get way more protectionist as a, this is like now speaking as part of the US, you have to get more more protectionist with your supply chain. You have to understand the thing that like the Japanese and Toyota understood like in the 70s, which is like you want to ins- you want to manufacture where you sell shit. Where are Toyota's manufactured? They're manufactured in Tennessee and California. They're manufactured in Germany, they're manufactured in uh, God. Where's the other factory? I believe it's in Czechoslovakia. They 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 manufacture shit where they're going to sell it because they want to create one. They know that like by manufacturing, you want to manufacture in the community and create jobs in the community because that also creates political 
kind of clout for you to kind of defend that. But translate that creates like, wealth. That also creates wealth. So people can buy your products. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, I think you know we've made our economy kind of inflation proof by like having these broad global supply chains. But then we've also made it so that like that's done been done at the cost of like between that and capital gains, we fucked up the entire middle class of the country because we yep. we, we basically moved all the wealth to the people who take it offshore, and that's not that's not the way to. You don't like money that's sitting in a fucking bank is not helping anybody, and nope. and that's kind of the thing that like. You know, I joke about like how FDR knew how to solve this problem. But like, yeah, FDR knew. I like the dude in front of mine was like, like yeah, FDR knew how to solve this problem. How do you solve the economy? You fucking spent. You fucking. You tax the rich. You build bridges. You build roads. You build dams. You build infrastructure projects. Because we don't yep. build. When was the last? I, I tell people like, what is the last major big infrastructure project they built in the United States? It's a big dig in Boston. I think that they broke ground on that in like 1996. Yeah, that's a great point. So tell me, tell me this. Explain something to me. I know the answer, but I just want to hear someone say it. Why don't things change here in Puerto Rico? The, the, the autoridad to do shit, right? Because there's political cronies in there, and there's a whole thing, and we cannot force them to do this fucking thing. Well, and therein lies the problem to all of this. Are the politicians have no incentive to make it better. Yes. They're, they're doing well, and they're, they're doing quite well. And so are, so are, quite frankly, the Puerto Rico's elite, the wealthy Puerto Ricans who are here. And now you got the Act 20 people, and they're doing well, too. There's no incentive to change it. So to your point, got to build our, we've got to build it here. We have to do it ourselves because they're not going to help us. And that's the only way we can have a future where we can eventually call our own shots. And I, I don't know why that concept is so hard for some people to get, but that's what it's at, that is what has to happen. And we, we haven't brought it, but I think we, let's close with this, right? So the, there's an old argument we used to have, which is like, oh, look, look at how Ireland got, like, Ireland was like, I think it was like, they, they used to call them the sick man of Europe back then. Like, so Ireland got independence, I think it was in the 1940s. And so one of the arguments was like, oh, you can't be independent because look how, how bad Ireland did after independence from England. Oh, dude, Ireland basically implemented the Fomento model. I've talked to people from Ireland. They implemented the Fomento model to like, basically turn Ireland from, you know, that to one of the top three economies in the world. Like the GDP in Ireland is like quality of life. And by all measures, it is one of the top. And how did they do that? Because they, they went their own, like they, they controlled their own destiny. They had a company and they sat there and built it. And the, the funny thing is they, like when I've talked to the people in like industry in Ireland, they knew who Luis Magalhari once, they knew who the Oro Moscoso was. And they're like, yeah, we just did what it, we, we just ate your model, right? And the model in the Puerto Rico freaking worked for 40 years. The problem is like once half the island decided, like half the politician on the island said like, well, no, we want to be a state. We don't want to continue on this path. And we need to ruin, <laughs> we need to basically make this not work. And once they stop working towards making Puerto Rico better, and this is the part that's like, we're not going to make Puerto Rico better because we want to be a state, right? We don't want the thing that's currently working out to work. And again, yeah. I'm not arguing for the, I'm saying, look, we need to, as a people, say, like, again, Luis Munoz Marín's famous phrase, el status no está en issue. The status is not the issue. Yep. Right? I don't care. About, like, the status is an issue to be settled, like, later on. We can settle it later on. And, and actually, I particularly don't care. I want to fix conditions on the ground, right? We yep. have to focus on fixing conditions on the ground. Because once we fix conditions on the ground, right, then we can actually worry about the status. I do think the problem is that, like, 
the current status that we have does not allow Puerto Rico the powers that it needs to solve this. The governor of Puerto Rico does not have the tools and powers at his disposition to solve the problems that he needs to solve. Mm-hmm. Right? And that is a consequence of being colonies. So this is why I say, like, look, I think the first part is, and I've said this, I want to negotiate a treaty like the tribes have where they negotiate an autonomous territory treaty which gives them power of treaty and gives them the power of law right yeah. like the oklahoma tribes the the tribes in new mexico they have the power they have more economic power and they have more economic sovereignty over their land right and they're still citizens of the u.s they're still part of the u.s right but they have a much more clearly defined relationship to the government of the United States, and they have a much more clearly defined relationship about, like, sovereignty, right? You couldn't, like, again, they're not on an island, but you couldn't force, like, the tribes into a Calvatage law. Hawaii is not under Calvatage laws, right? But we are, for some freaking reason. I don't, I mean, so we, in essence, in, as Puerto Ricans, because we have this weird status that is currently as it's currently defined we are second class citizens relative to everybody else in the u.s we do not have the rights that even the territories in the u.s have right and this is where like people kind of like look we and this is the argument that Acevedo Ola was making and Hernandez Colón was making it's like i would like to get us to the point where we have the same rights as other territories of the u.s right because if we can get to that point then we have a lot more freedom and a lot more kind of ability to negotiate properly and fix the problems that we currently have, right? Yep. You need those tools. Right? If I don't have a hammer, how the hell am I going to get that nail into the wood, right? And, yep. and again, we can, we can decide what it means after, but saying, hey, I would like to be on equal footing to the other territories in the United States is a fair thing, right? And it's like, attain- I think it's attainable. Yes, it's, yes. It's I much mean, more attainable. And, and I think the I think what's going to end up happening, as particularly as like the independence movement on the island grows, and like and I was explaining this to the friends in the states, is like once you know, right? Once you know that protesting works, right? We basically we kick the governor out of office, right? And we kicked him out of office, and then when this one got in, like when she got fresh, we went there and basically like we 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 scared the crap out of her too. Right. Yeah. Because we know that, like, this is there, there's there's a, there was a great line from somebody who was dating a French guy, right? And they were t- he, like, he was watching the news, and he was like, "Well, things are bad. Like, if you don't, like, if you don't go out and burn buildings, how will how will everything anything get fixed, right?" Mm-hmm. Because he was basically like explaining his experience from Europe, where like in France, when shit gets bad, people will go out and like, like they will go out and like protest, like like really protest and get things done. And they have, you know, they have a four-hour work, four-day work week, and they have infrastructure, and they have social benefits because, you know, you start learning. Hey, if sometimes direct action works, right? Going out and like doing a mass strike and that kind of thing will work. And once that genie's out, people kind of figure out like, hey, this is how we do things. So I do think that that's more our future, and I do think that like the way to kind of channel it is hey, we want to start doing things that give us more control of our economy and our destiny. And that really is kind of the way to sell it in the States because one thing that's going to happen is all these old politicians are going to start dying, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It's just, you know, Pelosi's 80 years old and yeah. so is Schumer. And the, these are like old, decrepit politicians. And like, they're going to start dying and you're going to start getting a much younger, kind of more progressive a crowd. And I think we need to be a little more, we, we need to be smarter than, say, Israel, 
was being really dumb about this and being like, oh, you know, we can rely on these old politicians to always, you know, they'll let us get away with shit forever. No, dude, you, you kind of have to assume they're not going to let you get away with shit forever. And now that you actually can get away with shit, is the time to actually like negotiate concessions. Right. right? Exactly. Now is the time to start saying, hey, let me shift. Like when you have the edge is when you want to negotiate. So I do think that like the play for us as Puerto Ricans is to start going like, hey, we're not getting treated fairly as citizens, but not, not just like, I mean, I think the statehood is just, we're not going to get that. I think like we're not getting treated fairly as a territory of the United States, right? You're discriminated against us in terms of the Calvinist laws of discrimination, right? Yep. Not being able to negotiate economic treaties is discrimination. Not having fuller control of our courts is discrimination, right? I want I, I I don't necessarily want to be part of the circuit court. I want to have the Puerto Rican Supreme Court kind of be a little more independent. I would like the Constitution to be a little more independent. Again, I want economic independence. I do want some regulatory and I want some legal kind of independence. Like this is this is enhanced powers for the country. Now, whether that leads us into statehood or independence or whatever it leads us. It's not bad to say, hey, I'd like to be able to solve the problem that I have on the island, right? And yeah, I think exactly. that's where we kind of have to kind of start heading to and thinking. And again, I, I think ultimately we need to do these things because, and I said this earlier, the United States that helped us build the infrastructure and fix the stuff here is not, I don't think it's the United States that exists anymore. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, David. You, you know, you're from the states. Do you think that it's realistic for me for anybody on the island to expect that the U.S. is going to come here and like rebuild the infrastructure of the island? Given the history of the last forty years, I would say no. However, it's timing's everything. Biden just announced he wants to go big on infrastructure. They're announcing it in Pittsburgh next week, so we'll see if that affects us or not. Hopefully, it does, but. He's trying to make big bets, which he has to do, in my opinion. You and I have talked about this offline, and you've mentioned it here about you know your your thoughts on the Democrats in 2024 and all these things. If he doesn't go big and nail it, then we're never getting help again. <laughs> That's I mean, how I, think, I feel I think, about it. I think, again, the tack for us on that is understand that there is a clear anti-China agenda from both parties in foreign policy that they've been trying to push for a decade, right? Yep. And what? And again, I, they're trying to push it militarily, and that's dumb. They're they're bringing basically tanks to economic fight. Um, functionally, the way to kind of play it is to go full bore on let's onshore manufacturing onto the island, right? Yep. And I think if you can actually get into that where they're onshoring manufacturing, and I say onshoring is a lot of manufacturing from Puerto Rico got offshore to China. And I, I remember being in meetings 15 years ago saying, like, you're being stupid. They're going to steal from you, right? This is stupid. They're going to steal from you. And you're creating this massive supply chain, like, that is easily interruptible. And lo and behold, I was right. But yeah. anyway, the point being, you want to onshore on the island. And if you want to onshore on the island because the, we have the personnel and the facilities, you have to invest in infrastructure on the island. So the more industry you can actually get to come back to the island, the better off you're going to be because the U.S. Then, then, then your pharmaceutical companies and your electronic companies will convince politicians to invest in the island, right? Because, but again, even there, if you, and because you and I have talked about like doing businesses, and even there, if we could actually get around the cabotage laws, right, then it would actually make Puerto Rico even more attractive because then you can get cheap shipping, right? Yep. 
And if you can reduce shipping costs to the island, then it's really like if you can reduce shipping costs and you can actually like do electric electric generation like I talked about. So you do you reduce you 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 replace infrastructure, you reduce shipping costs, and you reduce energy costs. Then Puerto Rico is very attractive to manufacturing, right? But you need to have somebody in charge on the island whose focus is that and understands how to generate a and what they call an attractive greenfield location for manufacturing. Yep. Well, like which is again, we talked a lot about island. When I talk to them, they clearly understand how do I make island attractive to investment, right? Yep. How do I make this attractive? Well, people have to want to live there. So schools have to be nice and infrastructure has to be nice. The, the cost of operating has to be low, right? And I need to be yep. able to get shit there. I need to get able to shit out quickly. And the problem, and again, problem in Puerto Rico is I have to fly. I either have to ship everything through Jacksonville, right? On yep. really, like, basically at, like, like extortion prices. So these are the, like the, if you're trying to fix Puerto Rico economically, these are the things you have to fix, right? Yep. And then an independence guy, will, somebody independence will like, well, then you also have to tax the company. It's like that's fine. We can pass a BAT, right? We can we can talk about tax policy, but like we can say, hey, like once you actually get money flowing into the island, then we can put like, are you familiar with what a VAT is? Yes. So basically, it's it's a, an evolution of the sales tax. We're, we're basically you want to tax then on the motion of money throughout your economy. But I need to fix the motion of money through my economy first before I do that, right? Yep. And a lot of the tax base on the island is getting, like, in essence, the federal government is taking the, the, the tax money as it comes into the island through the boats, right? Right. So if we can actually, like, if you, instead of, like, paying for the cost of the good, that's, like, when you, buy, when you buy, like, a Chips Ahoy, right? That Chips Ahoy is coming from Illinois on a fucking train, sorry, on a, on a train or on a, on a truck to Jacksonville getting shipped here. That shipping cost, basically, is getting tacked on to your grocery bill. So instead of getting a like a 2x multiplier on the grocery bill on that chips soy, you'll get a VAT tax on it, which will be much less. The cost of the good will drop, but also the, con- like the, the income for the government of Puerto Rico will increase. Functionally, we need like, we need we need politicians and we need parties that are focused on fixing the problems, right? Yeah. But we also need politicians to actually know what the fucking problem is. And I don't think, because I, you know, I listen to local radio sometimes. I, listen, I look at what they're saying. I haven't gotten the feeling that anybody, nobody other guys, even the third parties, really know and understand these issues, which is kind of really frustrating. Have you, I mean, like, am I crazy here? No, I, I, I was told early on, that if I wanted to get things done, don't bother trying to work with the government anyway because they're not going to help you. That was what yeah. I was told, straight up. This is by by locals. That that any initiative, any because the system they have in place now works for them, and it works for those yeah. who are get, getting benefits from that. So there's no reason to change it. So they're not looking at a solution because to them the solution is already here. Well, I mean, things the way they are. That was the point of my story talking to, like, we were Puerto Ricans in these Fortune 500 companies trying to solve problems to perpetuate industry on the island, and the government didn't want to fucking listen to us. Yeah. I literally screamed at the guy who was the head of Fomento. And the, I, I literally screamed and said, like, you are a complete another fuck, right? 
And it was funny because like the guy, one of my best friends, uh, one of my friends is was the ex head of what well, used to work for Pritko. He was the ex head of Pritko for a previous governor. He was the co captain of my swim team in high school. We both went to high school together. And so he's standing there laughing with me. Like I'm going, I'm getting pissed at the guy, and he's standing there laughing. He was a he was a, a PPD guy. And so the guy I'm screaming at is an, a, a, a statehood guy because they really don't want us to like. We were trying to fix the energy problem. Like, look, we we're going to spend all this fucking like we are going to put the infrastructure cost down of building of fixing your energy infrastructure because again the problem with the energy infrastructure on the island is it's too fucking expensive to fix right now the last plant that was built on the island by the way was designed by my dad was built on the south side on the island is the one that gives us power in iowa's which is generally why we have consistent power right my mm-hmm. dad put in the design and did the plant and that and so it's in the, but that's the newest one i think that's uh god that one's it's got to be 30 years old at this point right i remember mm-hmm. the plans the plans were in my house right we were trying to build, a, there's a whole thing, and you can ask, Cogentrix was the plant. There was a carbon plant we were trying to build. But really, the, the story about this, this is a funny story, which is uh, there were two proposals, right? Cogentrix, which was a carbon plant, which my dad knew was going to get voted down. So they, they made the plan, they made the Cogentrix plant, and they knew the Cogentrix plant was never going to fly, right? But they still did the proposal because they knew their Cogentrix was going to get voted down. But then we can do this plant, which is the plant we actually want to do, Right. So whenever mm-hmm. we got pissed and voted down the carbon plant, oh, here's the plant we actually want to do. But this is like in the 90s. It's like this really is 30 years ago. When it's like, and really the, the capacity that's all installed on the island, part of the problem is it's all 50, 60 years old. Right. And so we were coming in and saying, hey, we, we will we will build like generation for all these fucking towns. Right. Because, you know, you're not like when you're building a, 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 an energy generation project, you're not building small, like the smallest cost. So I want to build a big one. And then my cost benefit is I'm going to build it. I'm going to sell it to you. Right. I'm going to sell it cheaper than you because I can make it be like I, I'm being this is technology that's 50 years newer than whatever the fuck you build. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to be able to sell it to you at like, you know, you know, fraction of the cost. But the, the benefit to me is I'll basically basically be able to write off my energy bill. Right. Yep. I'll write, I'll write the fuck off. And I'll be able to sell to you, and like I will make the quality of life on the island better. Like, no, fuck, we're not gonna, we're not gonna negotiate a transmission policy with you. Fuck you. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. So I think, I think the key message is, guys, if I, if I, if I can reach my people in Puerto Rico, it's like, guys, you need to get smarter about what you're asking for. All right, and you need to understand. The wisdom of the patriarch of Puerto Rico, which is el status no está en issue, right? Forget about status. Status is the problem. Infrastructure is the problem. Economy is the problem. Growth is the problem, right? Yep. And if you can actually kind of internalize that and understand that, we will be in a much better place. And like, no, oh, it's not like, no, no. Focus on, okay, so even if you want a statehood, you're going to have to solve the problems and make yourself more attractive to the U.S. than you are now. Right now, you are not attractive to a Republican Senate. Ain't going to happen. Yep. So you need to think about how do you make yourself, you know, this is like the Cosmo cover. How, like, 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 why doesn't he like me? Well, dude, you, you need to kind of, you need to work on yourself first, right? Hey, so you need you saw my, my, my you, saw, you saw my GIF the other day with Chuck Schumer and, and uh, Pedro saying he's <laughs> just not that into you. And there, yeah. <laughs> there's a reason for that. Well, Arturo, thank you again for coming on. Thank you for the history lesson. For those who are listening and don't know any of this stuff, I hope you did learn something. 
Uh, I did as well, uh, as I'm always trying to learn. But you can follow Arturo, by the way, uh, on Twitter at American Numbers. Uh, and his other handle is Data Strictly. If you just want to look at him running numbers and models and data and all that fun stuff, uh, I'm Dee Binkowski. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you rate and subscribe. And especially if you are using an Apple podcast, please leave us a review and five stars. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.